You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today, we launched the quarterly series, What's in Season? We'll discuss berry picking, making jam, and family farming as part of a flourishing food system at home and in our communities. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Shauna Johnson from the Hutchison Family Farm. Welcome, Shauna. Thank you, Peggy. I'm so excited to be joining you today. Great. We're really happy to have you here. Shauna, can you tell us a little bit about the Hutchinson Farm and a little bit about the family? Absolutely. So Hutchinson's was established about 40 years ago, and initially it was a wholesale farm until in the early 80s, John Hutchinson, the founder, uh, his wife, Barbara, eventually started selling to customers at the end of their driveway. And they realized there was a really high demand from people in the area for farm fresh food. So now we operate with about 50 acres of space. We're a pretty small establishment, but the farm is run primarily by our farmer, David McTavish, and he lives on the property with his family. Oh, how wonderful. And what types of things do you grow? We have tons of different types of produce. So generally speaking, we start the season off with flowers. We have annuals, perennials, tomato plants, and herbs. And then moving forward, we start into our fruits and vegetables. So typically we start the season off with rhubarb and asparagus. And as the months get hotter and we move into summer, we start with berries. We have tomatoes, onions, peppers, beets, garlic scapes, and more. And then every year we finish in October with squash and pumpkins. How wonderful. So really all through the season, right from the beginning of June, depending on the year when when berries become available, but certain asparagus would be on at that time, all the way through something to look forward to every single, almost every other week or so throughout the whole season. So I know that one of the things my daughter and I have started to do is eat locally. And we love asparagus season. And we just cannot wait when we have the first asparagus of the season. And we feel the same way about strawberries all the way through to peaches and, and on and on. So it really is a wonderful time to celebrate our communities and all the produce that there is that comes into season. So, so how exciting. And one of the things I noticed in the Hutchison Farm, you have a great website, is that you have a variety of things. You're not just a berry farm and you're not just doing apples, which is also a wonderful thing to do. But how did the Hutchinson family decide on what to grow on the farm? So initially, when the farm was being run by John Hutchinson, uh, he started at the beginning of World War II planting strawberries. So initially it was strawberries, and then he moved on, grew things like cabbage. And eventually, as the years went on, he realized that there was a real demand for other types of produce. So he started shifting into different tomatoes and beets, moving into our later summer legumes. Um, And then it kind of continued from there. And not to mention now the farmer who currently operates the uh, the establishment, David McTavish, he asks himself from time to time, what do I want to grow? What am I in the mood for? Thus, a couple of years ago, he did realize there wasn't much um, of a selection for Ontario fresh garlic. And he thought to himself, well, I have 50 acres. I'm sure that's something that I can start. And now he grows thousands of bulbs of garlic, and it's one of our most popular crops. Isn't that interesting, the creative process and also that just um, curiosity. I wonder if I'm going to be able to grow, for instance, garlic on this soil in this part of the uh, part of Canada. And also just the idea, hmm, what don't we have? Let me try that. 
and that sort of spirit of inquiry. So very interesting on how uh, family farmers decide what they're going to crop and uh, what they find success with and, and what they decide to set aside. Really, really interesting at a very family single farm, you said 50 acre operated level. I read on your website, Shauna, that flavor comes first. Why is this important and how do you live up to that standard at the Hutchinson Farm? Absolutely. So the, uh, the owner and his family, they really consider themselves authentic foodies. So do the staff. We love to cook. We love to bake. And uh, first and foremost, we love to, you know, make delicious products using the produce right from our farm. So the farmer really prides himself on making sure that the quality of the fruits and vegetables is as high as it can get. Um, and so as a result, sometimes he'll sacrifice the yield. For instance, with tomatoes, we have a variety called the ping pong. It's absolutely delicious. It's an heirloom variety. It doesn't yield very much, but he's willing to make that sacrifice in order to make sure that that flavor is outstanding and you simply can't get it anywhere else. And what a treat because there's limited space or ability. You had said he's sacrificing yield, meaning per square foot or, or whatever space. He might have been able to get more tomatoes, but got a lower number of tomatoes just to have this special variety. And you can't get it all the time. You can't get it everywhere. And what a treat. How nice that that's happening. And that 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 kind of decision and commitment is being made when we hear so often in a very busy world about yields and production and technology and all of these things. How nice to know that there is a segment of a flourishing food system that's really taking it um, at a very different level. Family farming has really been an important part of Canada's past and hopefully really is a model that we protect and embrace moving forward. And I'm wondering, Shauna, what are some of the challenges that face family farmers? Well, initially, Peggy, one of the big issues with farming, this was pre-internet, was spreading the word about our location and what we have in season. See, the thing is, is that most people are buying their fruits and vegetables from the grocery store where things like strawberries and blueberries and onions are available all year round. Whereas where we are in Ontario, um, it's a very short window of time. So sometimes you can completely pass it. So that's one issue. Meanwhile, uh, we kind of like to say that there are two different types of farms that you can usually find in Ontario. We call it the agritainment industry, which are generally farms that operate more as an amusement activity. So they might have more rides, ponies, tractors, not to say that that isn't fun, but then there's also places like us, which focus mainly on the flavor and the produce, making sure everything is grown from site. And so as a result, sometimes it can be a bit difficult um, kind of competing with such large corporations being such a small operation ourselves. So for communities to really seek out what is local and it is a real knack. It's not as like every first week in June, you know, you're going to have strawberries or every, you know, third week in July, you know, you, it is so seasonal. And I experienced that myself last year. I was, um, eating seasonally, I had said earlier in the interview, and I love raspberries. And we were at a blueberry farm close by and we were picking our blueberries. And when raspberries came in season, it's like I blinked. Uh, in one week later or two weeks later, I, I strolled out to get my raspberries and they were all gone. <laughs> Everyone had been out there picking before me, but because the season was so short, I missed this little window. So I do enjoy those berries in the winter and I'm, I'm glad that we have them, but nothing can beat those moments when you get to, to pick on the farm. So look where in your area there are some berry farms or produce um, like you had mentioned, asparagus and pumpkin and things like that, and really watch for those things. So important. And, and yes, I can see how that marketing might be a challenge because family farmers are so busy family farming 
Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it's a very small establishment. We have about eight staff, one farmer, and four very hardworking men who come from Mexico. And that's the whole team. And that's who operates the farm year round. So you can imagine that we're very busy. (laughs) Yes, yes, I can imagine. So why do you think it's important for households to support local farmers? There are so many reasons that uh, people in the community should support local farmers, one of which being it's great for the environment, whereas a lot of the fruits and vegetables from the grocery store, they use so much energy and fuel to get to where we are. Uh, Being able to just take a drive down only 10 minutes sometimes and being able to just pick up that produce right directly from the farm can save a lot of energy um, and just be a lot more environmentally conscious, not to mention that produce is more nutrient dense when it has been brought farm to table. Um, The quicker it's brought to your table, essentially, the more nutrients it can hold on to. And apart from that, supporting local farmers ensures that farms can continue and be a part of our community in the future um, as we kind of look for more sustainable energy sources. And it's an industry that we can really keep alive, an important one too. I agree with you. I I think that's really, really important. And it is uh, very, we're often in many parts of um, household uh, activities looking for the origins of things. Now we're looking at where is clothing made and um, there's more and more eco housing uh, coming forward, but also very important to really think about supporting the local economy and the people that are in it and certainly buying Canadian uh, wherever possible, because we have a wonderful nation of family farmers and fishers and, and lots of incredible produce. Thank you for that, Shauna, very much. After the break, we'll hear more from Shauna Johnson from the Hutchinson Family Farm, who will share her expertise in berry picking and making jam. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. The show today is part of the quarterly series, What's in Season? We're speaking with Shauna Johnson from the Hutchinson Family Farm about berry picking and making jam. Shauna, in today's busy world, farms, berry picking and making jam can seem old fashioned. Why do you think these things are still relevant? Well, you know, berry picking and really everything that comes with it is a truly awesome way to connect with both the natural world and the people around us. I mean, year after year, we see more groups trying their hand at berry picking from couples on dates uh, to groups of friends to entire families simply looking for a fun summer activity. And I think especially now more than ever, it's a really amazing opportunity to just take a moment from the busyness of our lives and simply allow ourselves to slow down and appreciate the things around us on a deeper level. That's really interesting. And you mentioned that you've seen in the patch uh, people on dates. What an interesting and fun first date. Um, And if things went well, you could go out and take your engagement shots uh, in in the season and have, I I know someone who did that with apples and the apple blooms were just absolutely beautiful in their engagement photos. Yes. So it, it, you know, never know what might happen when you're out berry picking. And third date can be pie. It can be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> That's right. And I see, you know, uh, people of all ages out really enjoying it. You know, kids skipping through, if we're talking strawberries, uh, skipping through the rows and, and you know, uh, you know, sweethearts in their golden years out picking berries. And it's, it's just so much fun. And I know I'm not alone in my anticipation for berry season and all the possibilities that it brings. And I'm just wondering, why do you think families get so excited about spending time in the sun picking berries and then taking them home? 
Well, like I said, I mean, it's really an activity for the whole family, no matter your age, like you were saying, whether you're young, you're a teenager, an adult, or you're in your golden years, uh, it's kind of a timeless tradition that you can carry out every year. And also it just reaps benefits. So one day in the sun, you can make loads of jam, pie, pastries, and you can reminisce about that time with your family and loved ones. Uh, and there's also an element of pride of having made something that you picked with your own two hands. That is really something to look forward to every year. And I'm sure that you hear as people are leaving the farm with their berries and paying or, or getting them to the car, you must hear them talking about their plans for the berries. So what are some of the most common things that people make with their berries? Generally speaking, jam is the most popular byproduct of our berries. Typically, people will make enough jam in the summer to last them throughout the entire year because they just can't bear the thought of being without it. Uh, otherwise, some people pick with the intention of making wine, making baked desserts. In fact, raspberry pie is absolutely amazing if you haven't already tried it. Uh, but honestly, most of the time, the berries never quite make it past the car ride home. And <laughs> I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I know when I was younger, my sister and I picked berries for the summer. And I, I'm, I'm sure even though every day, I was picking berries. I'm sure I still ate my weight in berries because they were just so good. Um, and so you mentioned making jam and there's so many methods, freezer jam and um, you, what you thicken it with or, or get it to gel with. Um, do you have a favorite recipe? I do. Uh, I can actually credit my mother with being the primary jam maker in our house. We've been making it together since I was a kid and we always use Serto just because it's so easy. So Serto is simply pectin. So it's something that'll form a semi-solid kind of gelatinous mixture once it's cooled. It's really the perfect jam consistency. So you can buy it in any grocery store in the baking aisle in either crystal or liquid form. And all you have to do is follow the instructions on the back. It's so easy and it always turns out amazing. Wonderful. That's a really great tip. Do you like strawberry, blueberry? What's your favorite? <laughs> My all-time favorite tram is black raspberry, uh, not blackberry. It's black raspberry. It's a real thing. Uh, we actually grow them in limited quantities at Hutchinson's. And what my family likes to do is simply throw one pint or two pints into our batch of regular red raspberry jam. And the black raspberries just give the jam this beautiful deep red color and the most amazing flavor. You can put it on anything, toast, scones, pancakes, ice cream, you name it. Wow, what a what a future that jam has with uh, not only being if if you get your berries home past the car if, if you can if you can actually leave some to make jam yeah. Yeah. that's the so, challenge <laughs> that, that's right and so you're right I think the the best directions are on the Serto uh, instructions itself depending on which you read the crystals or the liquid and it really is very very easy it's it's berries. Um, sometimes a little bit of sweetener, the Serto. And I've actually started to, now I, I don't make it ahead to over winter, but I've started making it just on my own, um, on the, on my stovetop with whatever berries I can get throughout the year. Mm -hmm. so I always have fresh jam all the time. Um, now it's never my, you know, berry patch picked jam. I, I, I get that uh, only when I can pick my berry patch jam, but it's very easy to make and it's not that complicated. And no, it's something all. that a lot of people can really have fun with. Do you need any specialized equipment to make jam, Shauna? No, not at all. Most people actually have the tools they need to make jam right in their kitchens. All you really need is a saucepan, a spoon and some jars. It's it's that easy. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Now the jars, do you have to put wax on top to seal it? Or how do you seal the jars? Or is it just the, um, uh, what's the name brand of those uh, 
jars that you get with the ring on them. Mm. Like the Bernadine or something like, yeah. I, I, they're popular. You usually buy them in big packs. Now, the way that we do it is we um, will sterilize the jars before we make them. So essentially, um, once the jam is ready to go, they just go in your sterilized jars, uh, which is as easy as just boiling them. And after a certain amount of time, you'll hear a pop in the jar. And that's when you tighten the lid and you know that they've been preserved to last. Okay, that's a great good tip because food safety is important in jam making, especially mm -hmm. if you're trying to eat it sometime down the road. Very, very uh, important uh, point to mention. So thank you for that. Ooh. And if someone loves jam and they haven't made it before, what's the best way to get started? Well, it's funny because I think that jam making can seem a little daunting to people who have never tried it before, uh, but really it's a super fun afternoon activity, no matter your age. Um, I mean, there's so many different kinds of jams you can make. So I think the first step and probably the hardest would be deciding which one to choose. After that, you can research different methods of cooking to see what might work best for you. Wow. I, I know exactly um, what you mean in terms of uh, getting started. And once you do get started and see how easy it is, you'll, you'll get hooked. And I know I asked you about your favorite jam and I have this dream of one day being able to make a golden raspberry jam. Golden raspberries are very difficult to find and I can't wait to find enough that I can make even just the smallest pot of jam and then have it on some homemade biscuits or uh, something otherwise delicious. So that's, well, that's a goal I have. If ever you're around the North Burlington Milton area, we have golden raspberries. And in fact, what the family likes to do, specifically David, the farmer's wife, is she'll make a tri-color jam in which she layers black raspberries at the bottom, lets it cool, red raspberries in the middle, lets it cool, and then golden. So you have this beautiful ombre effect, and then you get three layers of different raspberries. It's beautiful. Such a good idea. How creative. I wish I could see a picture of that. It's like an art piece. <laughs> yes, yes. How amazing. Shauna, the time goes by so fast and I could talk to you all day. I'm wondering if you have a final message that you'd like to share with listeners? I think that the final note would just be that, you know, given the crazy circumstances that have evolved over the past year, I think it's an amazing opportunity for everyone to reconnect with nature and the simple pleasures of life, like berry picking and jam making. So if you're stumped on what to do one day or you have some spare time, think about shopping local. It not only supports the hardworking farmers in your community, but it supports the environment and your health. What a great message. Thank you very much for that. And also, we'll all stay tuned to hear what the rules are about berry picking and what's open and what isn't. But either way, whatever the outcome is, as we progress through the season, there is still a way to get some farm fresh berries, even if you can't pick them yourself this year. So we'll all remain um, uh, tuned to what the instructions are and follow them. But I agree with you. It's a wonderful way to connect to nature and have just a very uh, organic experience, if you will, uh, an earthy experience. Shauna, our conversation today has left me smiling ear to ear. I'm comforted to know that family farmers are in the fields every day providing delicious food for all of us and you've inspired me to get some berries and make some jam and keep going all the way through to pumpkin season. Thank you very much for sharing your expertise and inspiration today. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Shauna Johnson from the Hutchinson Family Farm. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? What kind of jam would you like to make? Something to do? Go ahead and make the jam. Next week on the show, we'll return to the monthly series, Food for Thought. Our guest is Benjamin Hill, chair of the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. We'll discuss food security and the food availability. 
I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbrae Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.